Welcome to the two-man game. I'm your host, Landon Holland, and with me as always, my co-host, Xavier Rocha. What's up, Roach? What's going on, Dando? It's been a minute. Happy to be back at it, you know? It has. Big uh, episode we, here. We got a huge episode. Uh, my Cavaliers got, got some stuff done within the last week, as many people know. Um, do you want to give us the details on the trade they made? Yeah, so the long-awaited trade, I feel like, has finally been processed. And uh, Donovan Mitchell might not be going where everyone suspected, but definitely very interesting acquisition by the Cavs. He's going to be going to the Cavaliers, and the Utah Jazz will receive Larry Markkinen, O'Shea Abaji, Colin Sexton, three first-round picks unprotected, and then two swaps. So a decent haul of picks for him, and... Two young players that I think they, or three young players that I think they might see some potential in. Um, what are your initial thoughts, Dando? I mean, for me as a Cavs fan, I'm just super thrilled as, I mean, last year we saw this young team really improve, especially with Darius Garland becoming an all-star, one of the better point guards in the league last year. And just looking at that alongside of Evan Mobley, who many would argue was the rookie of the year last year if it wasn't for the injury that came at the end of the season. Um, they got Jared Allen, another all-star last year. They just got a lot of young talent. And uh, one of their biggest issues last year was, especially when it came to like the playing game, was that Darius Garland was the only guy on the court that could play make or make plays for anybody or even just put the ball in the bucket when it came down to uh, crunch time. And, I mean, as everybody knows, Donovan Mitchell is a guy that just is um, amazing with the ball, great scorer, is a pretty good playmaker too, and honestly just one of the premier uh, guards in this league. And I just think you can't say enough of what this trade can do for this Cavs team, and it's hard to put a ceiling on what they can be in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the biggest question last year heading into the the playing tournament was they really only had Garland after losing Rubio to that injury. He was spectacular for them early. Um, Then you get a guy, a veteran in Rondo that comes in, but doesn't really produce how they want him to and how like Rubio was producing for them. So it was tough for Garland to kind of shoulder that. And Mitchell's one of the premier ball handlers in this league and scorers. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see those two kind of play off each other and see what they can do with the two twin towers behind them. Um, I want to know if you have any concerns with like the size in the backcourt with them, both being six, one, both not great defenders in the NBA. I wonder if you have any concerns. Yeah. So, I mean, this backcourt is definitely not going to be very good defensively, but, will probably be, I mean, probably a top three offensive backcourt in the league. Um, I mean, could be the top backcourt in the league when it comes to offensively with the level of scoring and playmaking out of both of these guys. But I think what makes this team fit alongside these guys so well is, I mean, they got Allen and Mobley in the front court, and as they showed last year, those two guys alone can make 
can make a team a top 10 defense. So last year, even like the Cavs, they had a Coro, but honestly, he wasn't getting a ton of minutes. And Garland was playing all the time, not a great defender. But just being able to have those guys protect the paint and Mobley being able to switch out on guards, Allen a little bit too, I think that recovers a lot of um, the faults of Mitchell and Garland. And I just think, I think before this trade, their starting lineup was going to look something like Garland, Lavert, Markinen, and then the two big guys. But I think now that they have. Uh, the other playmaker in Mitchell, they can add a Cora to the starting lineup who is a super good defender and really good against guards and wings. Um, I think they can add him to the starting lineup because they don't need a ton of offense now that they have Garland and Mitchell. Uh, so I think, yeah, when you have those two guys who aren't great defenders, but then you have the other three guys being, I mean, like A A tier defenders at, at the lowest and a Coro, Mobley, and Allen. I think that will just um, take away any of those flaws that Mitchell and Garland has. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Mobley's just otherworldly defensively, and that's just amazing considering he was a rookie last year. Um, And then Allen's just an amazing pain protector. So I definitely feel like having those two behind the two guards protecting the paint is going to be super helpful. Um, And then you question if... Maybe Mitchell wasn't great defensively because maybe he wasn't as motivated playing with the Jazz, being upset, or just because he had to shoulder, you know, like the offensive load. So he couldn't give as much energy to the defensive end um, because in college, Mitchell was actually a really good defender. Um, even though he is short, he does have a six, seven wingspan. Um, so he's super long. And I feel like we could maybe see his defense step back up as he doesn't have to shoulder as much of the offense um, with Garland playing alongside him. Yeah, I think from what I saw from this team last year, I think this team will be a top 10 defense again if they're healthy. I think just their front court especially is like, I mean, it's going to carry them to a lot of wins, even though even if Garland and Mitchell aren't having amazing games, uh, Mobley and Allen on defense and just, their presence in the paint is going to win them a lot of games. So I think we can talk all about Garland and Mitchell, but we can't forget about those two big guys that are were such a big piece of their jump last year. Um, but yeah, and then I want to hear your thoughts on, I mean, this starting lineup is going to be scary, but they still have this depth that not a lot of people are talking about. Um, you talk about guys like Levert and Love um, off the bench. And then, I mean... This depth is looking good too. So what do you what do you have to say about that? I mean, yeah, Lavert definitely steps into that six man role, um, and I feel like that's kind of where you want him. He's just kind of a spark plug guy that can come in, handle the ball, and create his own shot. Um, I definitely could see a six man of the year odds taking a nice leap, um, stepping to the bench, and then yeah, Kevin Love's just been super good too for them, a great shooter. Um, which is what they're going to need now with these two lead ball guards um, getting people the ball. So I feel like Love just fits in perfectly with what they're doing. Um, And then they bring back Rubio, who probably won't be ready for the start of the season, Um, but is that backup guard for whenever Garland or uh, Mitchell needs rest, he can come in 
and kind of facilitate the offense. And then you got guys like Jetty Osman, Hal Neto, um, and who else? Who else do they got? Robin Lopez. Are you I calling Robin he's... Lopez good death? No. <laughs> but Hal Neto and um, Jetty Osman are that's just a great, a good wing player, and Jetty Osman, who's not a bad shooter, not a great shooter, but he can shoot. Um, and then Hal Neto's just another guy that can come in and handle the ball. So. They definitely have depth there. Um, I don't think that's a big concern. And I don't really see, other than the defense, kind of the question marks for this team. I feel like they kind of hit every other spot that you want them to hit. Um, But yeah, just defensively in the backcourt, I feel like that's the only question you have for this team. Um, And I want to ask you, where do you think, since our Eastern Conference episode, where do you see the Cavs finishing now? Or like, where do you have them ranked in terms of like, tiers of teams yeah I think I think the Cavs are just a super hard team to predict because like you said there's not many question marks this team's going to be good on both sides of the ball and could be really good on both sides of the ball I think it comes down to how good their best players are going to be when it comes to playoff time so you talk about Garland and Mitchell and Mobley I think those are their the three faces of this team when it comes down to it. And I think it's going to come down to, are these guys elite when it comes to um, playoff series, or are they just going to be super good players? Because, I mean, they're going to be faced up against some of these Eastern Conference teams that are just stacked with talent. Um, I mean, if I had to guess, I think they're in the top five of the Eastern Conference. I think... It all comes down to that first playoff series that they get. Can they get out of that series? And I think in this Eastern Conference, it's going to be tough for them to be contenders yet, especially in their first year playing together. But I think this is more of a move for like a three or five year down the line. Can they compete for titles? And I think the answer to that for me is yes. I'm a Cavs fan, so that, I mean... Obviously, I'm going to believe in that, but I think you still got Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and maybe Brooklyn. I think those teams, I think I think the Cavs are even better than Miami now, if I had to predict I'd agree. this year. I would definitely agree. And then I think Atlanta is going to be solid, but I, I'd take the Cavs over Atlanta too. Um, and yeah, I think the Cavs against any of those top four teams I just named, they can they would be able to take them to six or seven games, possibly if they're t- if they're playing their best basketball. I think that's the level of talent they have. But I'm just curious to see like how good can Garland be, how good can Mobley be, and I we've seen Mitchell be super good in playoff series, so I'm not as curious about that. But like last year, Garland was great against the Hawks in the playing game, but then I mean he had no- nothing else to go to, so they started doubling him at half court and things got really tough for that Cavs team. So I'm I'm just super excited to see what they have because it's hard to put a ceiling on this team. That's that's my short answer. Short answer. Yeah, I mean, and you can't really put a ceiling on it because of how young they are. Um, I think everyone expects Mobley to take another, hopefully a big leap this year. Adds more to his offensive game. That's all he really needs to add. He's an amazing defender. So if you can see him take a step offensively for this team while adding Mitchell. That just makes them 
exponentially better. And then I know people hope Garland even takes another step this year. And if he's to do that, both players take good steps and on the offensive end. Um, this team looks really good. And then another question I have is Isaac Coro. Do you see him? Like, I know every, like if he can get to shooting 40% from three and he's just that spot up three and D player, this team couldn't be really scary heading into the playoffs because having two great options in Garland and Mitchell while having amazing defenders down low that offer lob threats to, for both of them, and then having that 3 and D shooter in a Coro if he can develop into that. This team looks really, really good for a playoff run. So what do you think? Like, do you see a Coro developing a three-point shot as he hasn't really shown it yet in his career? Yeah, I mean, I think Coro is one of the bigger X factors when it comes down to the ceiling of this team and how good they can be because... I think when you look at it, he, he pretty much has to start because Levert in the starting lineup just doesn't really make sense alongside Mitchell and Garland because then you just have too many guys that need the ball in their hand. And then Okoro is just such a solid defender. So, yeah, I think Okoro, last year he showed that, I mean, he can hit some corner threes. He doesn't want to shoot them a lot, but hopefully the offseason he got even better and more confident in his three-point shot. And then he's a solid transition player, um, like we've said multiple times, a great defender. He was a top five draft pick, pretty much uh, drafted just because of his defensive like stardom in college and just the tools that he has. Um, and the Cavs just hoping he could turn into an elite 3&D uh, level player, which he hasn't shown yet. But I think even if he can be, yeah, like between a 35 and... 40% three-point shooter, even just from corner threes, because I don't think he's going to get a lot of shots other than that. I think he'll be spotted up a lot uh, in the corners. So, yeah, I think he's got to prove that he can shoot the ball and be some type of threat in the offense, or they're just going to um, really sag off of him and maybe even just leave him on an island by himself. Um, but, yeah, I think... He's going to be an interesting piece of this team to watch as the year progresses. Um, and I don't think many people are going to be talking about him because he's not one of the big names on this team. But I think, yeah, if he keeps his starting job, um, he's going to be a big piece to what this team can be and what their ceiling can look like. Yeah, they're definitely going to need him to take that step, um, considering he is one of their youngest players. Um, so he's still developing. And adding that three-point shot is just, like you said, a huge X factor for him because people aren't going to expect him to be able to hit that three ball. So, Isaac Okoro, this is a message for you. Get in the gym and shoot 5,000 threes a day. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, have to, you just have to develop a three-point shot. Yeah. And this team, I feel like, takes a huge leap if he does. So um, I, have one, I have one more question okay. for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Something I've been thinking about a lot with this team is, I mean, just watching Garland last year run this offense in such an efficient way. Um, I mean, he just turned into one of the best playmakers and players with uh, the ball in his hands. 
And I just think it's super interesting now that they have Mitchell, one of the players in the league that obviously you want the ball in his hands too. I think, I mean, you can say it's going to be even like 50-50, Garland and Mitchell playmaking, uh, scoring, have the ball in their hands at the end of the game, but I don't think that's true. I think there's going to have to be, this guy is going to um, be the main ball handler. And my, I mean, my gut is telling me Garland's going to be the guy that has the ball in his hands more and Mitchell's going to play off of him more just because of Garland's craftiness, ability to get in the paint so easily. Um, prob- I mean, a better passer than Mitchell. Um, a better shooter. Definitely not as athletic and can't, I mean, slash as well as Mitchell, but if I had to guess, I'd say Garland's probably going to be more of the playmaker, um, run more pick and rolls. I know they'll probably both share a lot of it, but I just am curious, do you think it's going to be more of like a 50-50? Do you think Mitchell will have the ball more, Garland? What do you think about that? No, I agree that Garland's going to still shoulder more load than Mitchell will. I don't see it being like a huge difference, but Mitchell is coming onto the Cavs, so this is kind of Garland's team. Um, And like you said, he is, to me and to you, obviously, he's the better playmaker. that's not a knock on Mitchell. Garland's just the way he can navigate through the paint with his having that floater, but also being able to pass. And like the defense doesn't know what's coming. So that floater that that Garland has is super good. And he's just great at finding shooters along the three-point line. So they're definitely going to need to find a way for Mitchell to play off of Garland when Garland does have the ball. But then vice versa, Garland's got to find a way to get open when Mitchell has the ball too. And don't, we don't want those two players just standing around when the other has the ball. I feel like that's kind of the biggest question mark when you add two, I guess, ball-dominant guards or guards that are great playmakers together. Um, you, want, you want to see both of them play off each other. Um, I feel like that's a question mark with the Harden and Maxi pairing is like, when Maxi has the ball, you just kind of see Harden stand there, which you don't you don't want to see these two struggle with. So, um, that's that's just what I think. It, they're just gonna have to learn to play off each other when each other has the ball. But I do agree that Garland's probably gonna see most of the usage, which is interesting because Mitchell was fifth in usage last year at thirty three percent, and Garland was. Almost fifteenth in usage at twenty seven percent. So mm-hmm. Mitchell's gonna have to take a big step back, and it's definitely gonna be something different for him because in Utah he's always been the guy. He's been he's had to shoulder all the load. So I hope. I mean, I think we'll see efficient num- efficiency numbers jump for both of them because they're both gonna get better looks playing alongside each other. Um, and they, I mean, they both just have to buy in and trust one another that when the other adds the ball, that plays are going to be made and just buy into the offense that uh, is a bigger staff, JD Bigger staff. Yeah. Yeah. That JD Bigger staff draws up for both of these players. So, I mean, just that's just the main thing. These two need to trust in one another, I think. Yeah. I'm just imagining right now a Garland Allen pick and roll with. Garland getting to the paint, having the option to throw a lob or the floater. If not, just kick it out to Mitchell. 
was a clean driving lane. Yep. If he needs it. As, yeah, this offense is going to be a lot of options. And then you look on the other side and you just got Mobley chilling back there on defense. <laughs> trying to win to defensive player of the offense. year in his second year. I think Mobley can compete for defensive player of the year this year. For sure. For sure. He's, he's gonna. That, I think he's that elite. Uh, he's definitely that elite, Dando. Um, he's just got to take another step, and this team is right there. And I think, I mean, I've already said this, but him taking that offensive step just opens up this offense to another level, I think. So you just need Mobley to get better. Yeah. I've, I have a question about... for you. Okay, go it's ahead. It's kind of a, which duo or backcourt are you taking? So it's going to be Garland and Mitchell versus these other backcourts. Okay. <laughs> so Damian Lillard, and Mitchell. Damian Lillard or Anthony Simons? Garland, Mitchell. Easy. Ja and Bain or Garland, Mitchell. Mitchell. Okay. Chris Paul or Devin Book- and Devin Booker? <laughs> Paul and Booker. Uh, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. And Mitchell. Maxie and Harden. Garland Mitchell. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Trey and DeJounte. Garland Mitchell. Stephen Clay. Garland Mitchell. So based off of that, you have... I, th- I think they're going to be... Garland yeah, and Mitchell as a top two backcourt. Yeah. I think in three years, they'll be the best backcourt in the NBA if they're still together. There you go, Cavs fans. <laughs> you, have <the laughs> second, you have the second best backcourt in the NBA. According to Dando. Now, if, I, I just, I'm just thinking of Clay as like, I mean, Clay wasn't that elite last year. So I'm kind of, yeah, I mean, full recency and, bias. I guess. Yeah. But I guess if you're not really projecting, but like, so do you think Trey's better than Mitchell and Garland, like as players? Do I, I think Trey Young. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What about I'm, DeJounte? I think Garland and Trey are not too far apart. And I think, I mean, Trey obviously had a lot better start to his career. Garland got off to a slow start, but I think they're a lot closer than a lot of people think. And then, yeah, I think Mitchell's, I think Mitchell's better than DeJounte. I By mean, a wide I, love, margin. I love DeJounte. He's one of my favorite players, but yeah, I don't think. <clears throat> He's got that same level of stardom as Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I'd agree. I, so, I'm just still so you only took Paul that. and Booker. That's yeah. Okay. See, because I feel like the Trey and Dejounte and Maxi and Harden were. I feel like those are pretty close. Like, I mean, either one you choose, it could go both ways. I just haven't seen enough. I love you know I love Maxi too, but I just haven't seen like. A long stint of him being like super, super, super good. Like he's had a lot of flashes. I mean, I feel like we saw a lot of flashes in that playoff. Like there. No, yeah, yeah. He's really good. Year. But Maxie's really good. I don't think he's on the level of Mitchell or Garland or Harden. I think he's on a tier below them. Okay. And then what made you pick Paul and Booker over Garland and Mitchell? I mean, I feel like that was just disrespectful to <laughs> to them. Just with. 
the years they've had the last two years. Um, I mean, Paul and Booker both being in like MVP conversations at times. I, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, we saw Chris Paul last year kind of fade in that playoff series. Yeah. So. I, I mean, if I had to predict, I think Garland Mitchell could be the best backcourt this year. But that's me as a Cavs fan, so. <laughs> you have a little bias there. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to talk at all about uh, the Utah side of this? I don't yeah, think there's yeah, much to touch it. on, but we could talk a little, about, a little bit about Sexton, Abaji, and Markinen. Yeah, you can get into it. All right, so, I mean, I think the biggest part of this trade for Utah is getting all those picks and also just the direction they're going in after trading Gobert. Um, they're looking to tank and get young players and a lot of draft picks kind of uh, the OKC mold, as a lot of people want to call it now. Presti um, set the foundation for the The Presti GMs. way. Um, but... I mean, Sexton is a solid guard in this league. I don't know, like, what kind of guard he is. I don't know if he's, like, a sixth man when it comes down to, like, a competitive team or if he's actually a starting point guard or two guard. But, I mean, he's averaged, like, 20-plus points in his career before. Great player. Um, and then you got Markinen, who... He's an interesting piece, um... Great shooter, but I don't know. I don't know how much I like Markinen, even on the Cavs last year. He's just always been an interesting prospect. But uh, And then you got Abaji, who was the Cavs' first-round pick this year. Uh, won national championship at Kansas. Great 3 and D prospect. But yeah, I think three super solid young young guys that can add to this Utah young team. I mean, they're they're going to be terrible this year. That's not that's not a surprise to anybody that they're just going to be one of the lower teams in the Western Conference, but I think these are three solid pieces with these three first-round picks that uh, Utah fans should be happy with the value that they got for Mitchell, especially um, with the fact that, I mean, I think uh, Danny Ainge was going to trade Mitchell no matter what this year. And I just thought it was whether or not uh, the value would be super good or not. So what do you think about those three pieces? Yeah, Markinen a little older than the other two, but still a great shooter being a seven-footer. And he showed last year that he can play the three um, for a team that he's not... It's not out of the realm of possibility for him to play three. Um, and then you have Colin Sexton, who's a shifty guard that can is super good at creating his own shot. Efficiency is kind of the biggest question mark for him, how efficient he can can get. Um, but he is a good scorer, 20-point-per-game scorer. Um, and then Ogbaji is a great piece, I think, a rookie. Can definitely be a future 3 and D player in this league. Um, He's also an older rookie, though, too, right? Yeah, he's 22, so he's older than Okoro, which I definitely thought Okoro was going to be in this deal. So once oh. once I saw he wasn't, that's just even better for the Cavs. But um, I like the three pieces they got, um, along with three first-round picks. Like you said, just building up that pick equity 
for when you do get that superstar player being able to move those picks to another team for another superstar just puts you right into that um, championship stratosphere. So I feel like that's definitely what Utah was trying to do, just collect picks and then hopefully try to win the lottery this year and get Victor first overall pick. I feel like that's what a lot of teams are shooting for. So they kind of just jumped on the bandwagon. Um, But I want to hear your thoughts on, like, I want to know what deal you would have taken if you were the Jazz because there was that... Shams or Woj, one or the other, uh, shared that the f- like first deal that was on the table from the Knicks was R.J. Barrett along with three first-round picks for Mitchell. If you're the Utah Jazz, are you taking those three Knicks picks with R.J. Barrett? Or are you taking these three picks, two swaps, and these three players from the Cavs? It, that's That's a super tough question because... I mean, you have to add in the other trade they made, and I think they believe a lot in Taylor Horton Tucker as a starting player on their team. Um, so we'll t- we'll talk about that next episode um, with that trade they made. So I think if I just think Andrew- RJ has definitely the highest ceiling out of all those players. Yeah, I think I think between I think it's between him and Talon. I think I know that's that's a stretch for a lot of people. I think Talon's got that much potential and I think he's shown a lot, but I think to answer your question, with Talon and the Cavs guys they got, I would take that over Barrett. Just because I think Sexton, Talon, Markinen, and Abaji are just four guys that have a lot of potential that I mean, if even two of those guys hit to be really good players, I think um, they won this because I mean Mitchell's not going to fit their timeline when they want to compete in who knows five to seven years or so. Um, I think Mitchell would be out of that timeline by then in his prime. But I think Talon, uh, Sexton, Markinen, and Abaji, like if two of those guys can be super good players. Within that time frame, I think they won, and I think Barrett is—I mean, he's a solid player, but I don't—I don't know how much of a star he can be. I think he's shown that he can be close to an all-star, but I'm still not sure how like great he can be. And I don't think straight up Barrett for Mitchell and picks—I uh, don't think that's what the Jazz was looking for. But I'm sure a lot—a lot of people are higher on Barrett than. I am so. That's just my take. What do you think? Are you I more mean, high I on? Think, you I like think Barrett? also the. I'm very high on RJ Barrett. I think he can be really good. Um, already shooting at a 35% clip. Just gotta get better at finishing. He can shoot super good. He's got that mid-range pull-up. His finishing is just what he struggles with the most. Um, he's not a very good finisher near the basket. So if he can up that, you'll see you'll see his efficiency numbers jump even more. Um, and he's got the size to do it. He's six six. He's that. He's. I feel like he's just a perfect mold to be that two guard. Um, he can get his own shot, and he really does try on defense. And I like him for that. And then I just also like the Knicks first. Like I, I trust the Cavs a little bit more than I trust the Knicks too. You think they would have got better picks with the 
Knicks. Yeah, future picks. They would have got yeah, better future yeah. picks than the Cavs, just because the Cavs do have Mobley, who probably isn't going anywhere for eight years. Um, <laughs> and same with Garland. So, And Mitchell's under contract for three years, so the Cavs are going to have them for who knows how long, as long as Mitchell's happy there. So, Yeah, I, I mean, what I have to say is, to everybody is just watch out for Taylor and Horton Tucker this year. That, that's that's my take. I feel like that's always your message. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And it has <laughs> been with the Lakers. But I think, I mean, he's shown it so many times as I've watched so many Lakers games that he, this guy has just got some flashes of insane talent. But I think with this new role on the Jazz with this team that's just not going to be winning games, he's just going to get so much opportunity. And I think... If I'm honest, I don't even know if he's starting. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he's he's going to start. All right. Trust me. I believe you. He'll start. He's he's that good, Roach. <laughs> I've heard you say it for the past four years, so. Uh, give me Taylor we'll just, all day. We'll just have to wait and see. All right. To close out this episode, uh, you want to do a little preview to our week one fantasy? Uh Fantasy football. Fantasy football. Yeah, we are going head to head, aren't we? Yeah, we are. So, what do you want? What do you want to do? How do you want to preview this? I don't know. Do you think you're going to beat me? That's. I do. I like. You think? Okay. I like my team a lot. We got some dogs on my team. Uh, I'll share my. Yeah, my g- favorite give a rundown on your of your like top so, favorite guys. Okay, so. Well, I love my top three receivers. Um, I have probably the best player for like dynasty sakes, which is what we kind of do. We do two keepers, and you can keep them for however long. I have Justin Jefferson as my wide receiver one. Um, And I could see him being the overall number one wide receiver in fantasy this year as the Vikings look to move to kind of a more pass-heavy offense. And then I got two, two guys that I think could take a big step from where they were last year. Just because of improved quarterback play, I have Juju Smith-Schuster as my wide receiver two, and Allen Robinson as my wide receiver three. And I just feel like I'm gonna have three huge week ones from those three, and my other team's just gonna do just enough to put me over the top. All right, I like it. I mean, I think I'm pretty confident that I'm gonna take week one. Um, I mean, coming off of last year where I went 12-1, and one, I'm feeling pretty confident about my fantasy football uh, drafting skills. So, um, I mean, I think my receivers are could be the best in the league this year. I mean, last year I had the best receivers in the league with Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel being my one and two, who... Might have been like the one and two overall in fantasy um, for wide receivers. So I have them back as my keepers. And I think Cooper Cup's probably the safest wide receiver uh, in all of fantasy football. I think I think me and you have the best two wide receivers. I think Cup and Jefferson are the best two. So yeah, for sure. I think those will pretty much even out. Um, I mean, who knows who will have the better week one. But then Debo... Um, I like. I think he's a safe bet with just how much usage he gets um, in both the passing and running game. And then my wide receiver three is Renfro from uh, the Raiders. I think he's a 
pretty safe uh, PPR player. Plays a lot in the slot on a pass-happy uh, Vegas team. And I think, I mean, yeah, they have Adams and Waller, but I think uh, Renfro will get a lot of targets too. Um, and then my running back one is Travis Etienne, who I'm super high on this year. Um, going to play his first game this week, and I don't know, I think he's going to be a good PPR running back, getting a lot of catches out the backfield. Um, and then I really like my flex position with Lazard, uh, the Packers, wide receiver one possibly, and then Rondale Moore um, with DeAndre Hopkins out could be really good for me in the first few weeks. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I love Lazard. That's a great pickup by you, but it's looking right now that he might miss week one. So, Oh, really? This, this, might, this might swing into my favor this week. Then, um, then I'll have to throw in Isaiah McKenzie <laughs> off my bench. That's a Buffalo sleeper right there. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I think, I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell week one who, how your team's going to do because, I mean, yeah. We'll find out. Say usually after week two, you know what players are going to be usual yeah. pop-offs like weekly. Just because you kind of get a an understanding of who who gets the ball. We're, we're definitely two uh, wide receiver heavy teams, I would say. I yeah, think... I've been shopping. I've been trying to get that third back. There's yeah. just not a lot our, of options out both there. Both of our third backs are, uh, I mean, you're... Your third back, I like mine. Max, yeah, a lot better than mine. I got a Kenneth Gainwell as my third back, which is troublesome, but I'm hoping that the rest of my team can carry. Yeah, it'll so. be interesting. My backs are kind of all mid-tier. I feel like Ramondre Stevenson, hopefully, can kind of step into that RB1 role for New England and hopefully just be a keeper for me for many years. Um, that's what I'm kind of hoping for for him. They just need to feed him the ball. He's shown that he's got light feet when catching the ball, soft hands, and he's really shifty. So just just Bill Belichick, just feed Ramondre Stevenson the ball, please, so yeah. I can win this week. I like Isaiah Pacheco off my bench as a possible plug-in later in the year. Yeah, you never you know, know with, a C with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, you never know, but... He's a guy I picked up for hopes of maybe being something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Khalil Herbert too. I like him. Who do you have off the bench? Oh, Daryl Henderson. That's a, that's a good backup running back right there. Yeah, I, I liked it. Cam Akers could be injury prone, so we'll see. Uh, all right, well. I think that's all we got for this episode. We're going to be recording back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, so we got a lot more to record here. Yeah, love love the Cavs podcast. It was a great episode for me to talk about with my Cavaliers, so hope everybody enjoyed this one. Hope all the you Cavs fans out there, I don't know how many there are, but we got one. We got a listener. I am. We got a listener that's a true Cavs fan, so yeah. I know he'll definitely enjoy it. It's He's been the one that's been critiquing us. Ah, love the critiques. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we do we do appreciate it. Looking to improve. All right, so, yeah, well, let's close it out. 
Hope you guys enjoyed. See you next episode. See ya.